thank you for joining us for another fun-filled episode of Movies Are Dead. Um, this first episode starts off with the one, the only, Gummo by Harmony Corinne. This also kicks off our naughty 90s November. Ooh. Wasn't that last week? Bad Lieutenant. Oh, yeah, that's right. I misspoke. I'm sorry. I already forgot about Bad Lieutenant. Cut to Harvey Keitel crying naked <laughs> with his arms out. Gummo, though, by Harmony Corinne. This is our second movie in our naughty 90s lineup here. Um, if you guys are looking to view this movie, good luck. I mean, if you have Netflix DVD, you can get it from them. Um, you could find, you could probably rent it somewhere online. A physical copy of this DVD, though, like to buy it is pretty hard. It's out of print, I know. Um, just DVDs in general, I mean, they've gone up in price. You know, I still collect some, so especially like weird movies like Gummo and stuff. But, you know, Harmony Corinne's Gummo. I mean, how would you describe this movie, Bobo? How? Tell me. <clears throat> it's, <laughs> it's uh, I don't know, like a social documentary slash experimental drama yeah sort of plotless doesn't really Mm -hmm. have a narrative we Mm -hmm. have reoccurring characters that we see every once in a while Mm -hmm. it's a it's a piece of art so i would say not some bullshit like some people at the new york film critics association like to say this movie this movie's like (laughs) all right just a little background so it's harmony corinne it has has idea has what I had this idea. It's unrelated. Oh, okay. But Go ahead. I just think that everyone in New York or L.A. or like London or something whose parents pay the rent should have a shirt that says, my daddy pays my rent. And his allowance, his monthly allowance allows me to be a mediocre film writer. <laughs> and have a mediocre. They have to wear that everywhere. And have a mediocre podcast on the back. It says I have a mediocre podcast. Yeah, some people have a podcast. So you're playing. You're pretty much blaming coastal cities for influencing. Uh, oh, for sure. An art movement here. Yeah. Of what we're yeah, trying to get yeah, going here. Yeah. Or like Toronto. Paris. Yeah. Daddy. Uh, but they have how to. About w- Daddy pays my rent. That'd be our first first merch run. Run yeah. for movies are dead. <laughs> and the back end to be like going oh, is podcast why why were yeah but anyway they have to wear the shirt one shirt everywhere they can get one shirt they can't take it off ever yeah i feel like this will really um this goes the the critics though just to be clear when it says daddy pays my rent this is to somebody that's male female non-binary it could be anybody anybody it's usually dad paying the rent yeah don't want to be you know i don't know that's that's how it works yeah usually i don't know if it's your mom we can have some mommy pays my rent mommy pays my rent but if it's you, it's usually your dad. Look, I'm a trust fund kid, so I relate, okay? <laughs> yeah. How much your mouth feel allowance of like $5? It's $5. It's from, I should be getting money from the Spanish government because I'm a victim of colonialism in my opinion. I should be getting reparations from my family. I We should. We should. Our ancestors were enslaved by the Spaniards. No, my family should pay my reparations <laughs> for what they did to me. Is, yeah, I can tell. This is, a, this is <laughs> We're starting off this one great. Anyway, no, but really, there's all these like shitty writers who like. I live in New York, and like, yeah. y- you obviously don't get paid enough with your shitty writing, yeah, to afford to rent. But dude, does anybody read those fucking things? Like, except for people like over the age of like fifty or something. No, there's like it's usually like people who like who are their friends, like who are like in their thirties or like I mean, late twenties. Like, dude, even. like our generation and younger, they're going on Twitter, they're mm. going on Letterboxd to read these like snarky yeah, little but those, reviews. That's where those people congregate. 
probably, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I'm off my antidepressants. Oh, man, and, it's okay. Uh, it's a hey, really, look, we're accepting of everybody here at Movies. It's really... Right? Uh, if you're off your antidepressants, really I love you either way. Bringing back the anger, the old Bill Hicks. Oh, the anger's there. Bill Hicks, early 90s. I remember anger. when Boris was like, you know, I remember... You know, after your divorce, Nick, you were, like, really mad and angry and bitter. Where's that anger? And I'm like, it's still there. I just tame it. It's 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 at bay. You know, I tame it, you know? comes out every now and then. All right, so Gummo, Harmony Corinne. 97. 97 is a... Uh, 97. He got... Bill Clinton got an ag- in What's it? <laughs> Inaugurated. Inaugurated for a second thir- term. <laughs> yeah. As president and bad lieutenant was uh, the year he got... He won. He won. That's right yeah. against uh, H.W. Yeah, it's also the year H.W. threw up on the Japanese prime minister. Yeah, at that dinner thing, and yeah, he passed just out. Just like right in his lap. Yeah. Like he, Shout out to I love the '90s on VH1 back in the day. <laughs> that's I, where you learned. I would, dude. <laughs> I learned everything there was about American culture. Uh-huh. Most of it from I love the, you know, that that series. I yeah. love the '70s, '80s, '90s, New Millennium. Yeah, yeah. I I think I still think the, the 2000s is probably the most boring decade. I know bad things happened. But when I look at it, I'm like, this is one of the worst decades ever. Like, nothing happened. Styles sucked. 2010s was great. It was amazing. The 2010s, when I look back already, I'm like, that was a time. You got Obama. You got Trump. You got liberalism. You got conservatism. You got crazy people. You got you got uh, people conforming, not conforming. People going on Twitter, Facebook. <laughs> Corporate conglomerates controlling our every move. That was the decade, man, the 2010s. I love it. Yeah, but, 2000s, boring as shit. Man, we're on a roll. Shout we are out, on a shout roll. Shout out to that Lush girl who's a fan of the show. Oh, yeah. Shout out to any, actually any fans who <laughs> listen to this. We love you. We appreciate you here at Movies Are Dead. Uh, Whether you're on your antidepressants or off your antidepressants, you are welcome here as long as it's a safe space and a location where we could all be accepted and loved. This is it. I feel like, uh, I felt like... Uh, Antidepressants were like making me like too, you know, neutral. Boris decided to put on lady soccer. <laughs> we're watching who's who's. Why would a- you say like that? Who is MNC versus Manchester, Manchester City against Chelsea? Okay, looks fun. I love soccer, by the way. Men's soccer, women's yeah, soccer. Me too. You know, ooh, what a collision! What a collision! All right, let's get back to Gummo here. <laughs> Harmony Corinne, 1997. A little batch story. So Harmony Corinne, for anyone who doesn't know, don't want to mansplain here, but we're gonna do it anyway. All right, he wrote <laughs> Kids, directed by Larry Clark, okay? Yeah. Backstory is that Larry Clark met Harmony Corinne at a skate park in New York City while Harmony Corinne was a NYU film student from what I believe. He was going there for writing. He had just got there from Tennessee. Um, I'm not too sure where Harmony Corinne is from in Tennessee. I think Nashville. Yeah, it's Nashville. Pretty sure it's Nashville. Right, yeah. I've heard him explain Nashville how it was when he was growing up in the 90s and how it's changed in the 2010s, but pretty much uh, it's been a victim of, you know, um, how would you say gentrification, you know? Sure. And I think to put it lightly, Harmony Corinne, one of the interviews I heard with him, he was just saying he's kind of like a little sad and maybe a little angry about what's happened to Nashville. Mm -hmm. Um, But the reason I bring up Nashville is because this movie – it's supposed to be set in a city in Ohio, right? Xenia. Right? But I think they had filmed it in Tennessee somewhere, right? Yeah, that's what I gathered yeah. from my uh, minimal research. So that yeah. They shot in the poorest sections. Of hey, look, Daddy doesn't pay your rent, so you have no, no time. He, you got to work. There's no time for research here. Movies are dead. All right? And um, 
Yeah, you shot in the, <laughs> the poorest parts of Nashville. Yeah, so anyway, Larry Clark meets Harmony Corinne at a skate park. Oh, yeah. Larry Clark was taking uh, photos of kids skateboarding because Larry Clark was an artist. He was a photographer. It's all perfect going around. Like, well, he would do like yeah. black and white I'm photos an artist. of I'm like an artist. teens and stuff and yeah. people in their early 20s. But uh, like his one of his most significant works is like Tulsa from the late 50s. Mm. He shot like the youth in Tulsa. Very moving stuff. Anybody has the time to check out that book. Um, Because it depicts a world of the 50s that you don't see in movies, you don't see in media. It's like people doing heroin, people smoking, people having sex. Just a really grit and grime of the time, you know what I mean? Before like the late 60s and early 70s. Yeah. Glorification of like dirtiness. Those seem, uh, they present an interesting dichotomy in how we saw the youth artistically in the 90s compared to now. Exactly. Now you see the youth, they're all dressed in like their urban outfitters. Yeah. Outfits. Yeah. They're posing. That kind of, that kind of started with they our generation. They got the generation. little sunglasses. Yeah, it kind of started with our generation. Now it's like TikToks. You got Gen Z out there and our generation, yeah. millennials. They're socially you know, conscious. You know. They're outspoken. Back they're then, outspoken. they were just into drugs. You know, they're, they're posing. They're doing TikTok dances. They're doing hot takes on stuff. Race. Government, yeah, but social back, inequality. Back in the nineties, it was wasn't like that. At it all. wasn't like that at all. Kids were actually bad, fucking. You know, kids were a lot worse back then. You know. Yeah. I have a sibling who actually grew up and was alive during the nineties, two thousands, and just kids were just bad back then. They were obviously kids are still bad, but the reason why I'm saying kids were bad back then is because of the movie Kids. There's this idea of unmonitored, pretty much children roaming New York City, mm. having unprotected sex with each other, right? And it's pretty much an AIDS story. So Harmony Corinne wrote this story. The movie got made. It was a cult classic, right? Kids. Um, Mm -hmm. So he's given pretty much a chance to direct his own movie. And this is what it is. Gummo, 1997. Yeah, show it for like under a million dollars. Yeah, under a million dollars. I think the box office was 100,000. Uh-huh. Various formats. You got Polaroid. You got eight mm You got sixteen. You got VHS. You got the old thirty-five. Yeah. And um, the critical reception was not kind to Gummo back. I then. don't understand that. I mean, I understand it, but then I don't understand. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Well, you you're supposed, at least like I did. I used to think that critics were supposed to always be on the lookout for a new approach to filmmaking. As in art, other types of art, you're always looking for the, how's it going to evolve, right? Yeah. How's it going to change? And turns out film critics, they don't give a fuck about that. They don't care. They're not interested in how, how is filmmaking going to be something different from now. How's the, what's the next iteration of filmmaking? Yeah. Like? What's, the, what's the next um, stage? They're not interested in that. They want the old classical tradition they want the old kind of filmmaking that's kind of strange you bring that up because i you know as we talked about the 90s is probably the what the best decade of movies especially mm. for independent filmmaking so it's kind of like shocking to me that critics would actually shoot this movie down i get it the movie has no plot it just centers around a group of kids who are in poverty and they and it's like vignettes these stories most of the time sometimes like most of the time the dialogue is minimal unheard and if there is dialogue they're talking in a in a like obviously it's an american dialect but it's something that's otherworldly to me i don't know how to explain yeah like uh, i think harry harry talked about it they have their own language yeah 
uh, their own way of speaking to each other. That's what we wanted to capture. But going back to the critic thing, it's um, still happens that they sort of feel like not they're less of art critics and they're more like consumer reporters. They okay. just want you to make. They want the the average guy or or gal to have, get their money's worth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They don't want to be. They don't want the audience they're writing to to be confused or dissatisfied when they walk out of a movie. They want them to be like, oh yeah, like when you go to McDonald's and get a Big Mac, you can, you know what you're expecting. McDonald's Big Mac, okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. That's what they want. They want you to get what you're expecting. They don't want you to be confused and come back to them and be like, hey, you made me watch this dumb movie. <laughs> okay. I fucking hate it. I know what you're saying. But um, a lot of reviews I read about this movie, <clears throat> they sort of had this like, you know, this like 40-year-old guy in like a tweed jacket, glasses from like Costco or something. And they have like this finger wagging attitude that I hate. Me too. That's the whole reason why we started this, this moralistic. Podcast. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what's good for you. Yeah. And this is this sort of work cannot be accepted in the mainstream. No, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I wanted to pummel these people, man. I know. I can imagine their faces As you look like, like me, sort of, like in 20 years. <laughs> I don't know if that's part of it, but. Um, just like there's, there's sort of like condescending, yeah, patronizing attitudes. There's a reason, dude. Dude, there's a reason why in Rotten Tomatoes there's the audience score yeah. and then there's a critic score. There's that weird dichotomy, you know, separation of the two audiences. And there's a reason why criticism in general has fallen off. I think. I think audiences have become cynical of the critic. You know, I think America itself has become cynical of the critic in whatever field you name, in my opinion. I don't know. It's just the way things are going. But it's I know what you're saying, though. Growing up, the critics that we would see on TV or, you know, we'd see the little photo in the column, it was what you just said. That's what it was. Most of the time it was a white guy. <laughs> just oh, put yeah, some glasses always. on. We had... Um... Elvis Mitchell out there for New York Times in the 90s. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Both Have you read of... his review for In the Mood for Love? Great stuff. Love it. Yeah, he's a good he's a good writer. All right, before we before we uh, continue <laughs> on this uh, barrage of critics, um, let's get to the to the cast here. So we got Jacob Reynolds as Solomon, Nick Sutton as Tumblr, Linda Mons as uh, Solomon's mother. Excellent role. Chloe Sevigny as Dot, Carissa Glucksman as Helen, Darby Doherty as Darby, Jacob Sewell as Bunny Boy, also, we got Harmony Corinne as Boy on the Couch. Um, he has that brief role. Very poetic scene, by the way. Loved it. Um, as we've said, the story is sort of like the vignettes following these kids. Most notably, the kid Bunny Boy, dressed in a bunny costume with the bunny ears. Mm-hmm. Sort of just roaming through, you know? Right. And then also, out of all the characters, who, who did you find appealing to watch? Because I have a few. All of them, really. You know, Solomon, Tumblr. Don't send me Solomon. You talk about his face made for a camera, you know. His face is Tumblr made for too. a camera. And um, you don't get a lot of that anymore. Um, I forgot what he said, what Harmony Corinne said about Tumblr, but something about him being um, beautiful or something. I don't know. But, yeah, he's right. These faces are yeah. just, you don't see them. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember the split screen. Uh-huh interview i saw with harmony corinne around that around that time yeah right i think when it was on filmstruck and um a lot of uh the reaction that people had was that he was sort of like exploiting or patron yeah. or making fun of these yeah. people but i um i completely disagree with that i disagree too i notion. think this is like one of those weird 
it's not poverty porn for sure. No. It's something else. It's like this weird poetic telling of a group of kids. And I started to wonder, I wonder where these kids are. This is like 25 years ago when this yeah. was made. So like, where are these kids? Like, what are they doing now? You know, also one of my favorite moments in the movie is when, is when, um, Solomon's mother sees him working out in the basement. That's like one of the best scenes I've seen in years. Yeah, it's like, he's like lifting weights. Yeah, you know, she's like, "You'll stunt your growth," and he's like, "Still going." He's like, it's like they're not even weights; they're like a bunch of forks, yeah, rubber right. banded he together. Ties <laughs> he ties them up. That's right. But I mean, most filmmakers don't have a scene that good in in like a career of making. That's movies. true. Nobody, like nobody. Yeah, some people just don't have that in them. No, they don't. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a. a Oh, the will to like make something that's organic, like risking the the fail. And um, I should also mention that the cinematographer, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'll just give him my best. John Eves Escoffier. Okay. He shot a bunch of uh, Leo Carrad movies, Boy Meets that's Girl, right, yeah. Ma Bai Sang, Libraries in the Bridge. He also shot uh, Good Will Hunting. Yeah. Died uh, too young, but uh, he did this movie after uh harmony corinne saw the libraries on point on the bridge and he, that's a beautiful movie yeah he did it for cheap he just did it because he like he was into what harmony corinne was selling and uh he makes something really beautiful here in terms of how this movie sort of seems to like blend together scenes that are written and scenes that seem to be like a documentary yeah and put together with like you know, scotch tape yeah and then just for a little background on the script, Harmony Corinne based off of this, based this off of pretty much a town in Ohio, Sandy, Ohio, uh-huh. that got hit by a tornado in real life and was destroyed completely. We kind of see this at the end of the movie with a reference to um, Crying by Roy Orbison. And yeah. we see the tornado on the way mm. in this dark shot. I love those close-ups, though. Harmony Corinne randomly puts in the movies, these weird, it's usually zoomed in, beautiful impressionistic moments Probably just B-roll footage they shot randomly. Mm. Ad Astra has moments like that too. James Gray, just random, beautiful, like impressionist shots where I'm like, is that like a painting? All of a sudden, just randomly thrown in there. But I, this movie captures something about, you know how people say like movies capture a time and space that you can never get back? I think this is the definition of that. Mm. It really is. Like everything, though, even the way the sun hits a character, or when, um, uh, what's his name? Is it Solomon? Yeah. Yeah, Solomon. when Solomon's in the tub mm-hmm. and he's being washed by his mom and he's eating spaghetti, he's drinking milk, right? That moment in time, and he's like, he's getting washed, but like all this grime, dirt is falling off of him. He hasn't been washed in days, you know? Mm. Like that space and time, it's being captured on film. And then I start to think about these people in these forgotten, like, Midwestern towns. And kind of like this is the beginning of the end of, like, the Rust Belt of Midwest America, right? This is, he's, he caught, like, the, in my opinion, Harmony Corinth caught the tail end of the, like, of, and sort of like the beginning of the disintegration of Midwest America, right? But there is no surprise. It's not fashionable to talk about it. I don't really No, it's about not. It. Uh, there's this tremendous book called Dreamland. Oh, yeah. By, I forgot, is it Sam Kionis? Sam Kionis, yeah. Yeah, what an incredible book. But he talks about that, pretty much the disintegration of Midwestern towns, opioid mm. crisis, right? And you could kind of see the seeds planted of that in this movie. Yeah. 
for you sure. Know what I mean, the the like the negative feeling of like there's no hope. We're gonna do this day to day. It's part of it. Yeah, it's you know? a it's a fatherless existence over there. Yeah, even like the fathers that do appear on screen, they're all terrible people. Um, it's sort of a. I mean, it's not like. Uh, this movie seems a lot more honest than what people wanted to see because, like, I don't, I have no doubt that these, this is how kids behave still, even, even with like TikToks and social media. And yeah, phones. kids will, kids will always be kids, but like this generation, the, though, yeah, right before technology, obviously, home computers were starting to make their way into their home, into homes, but yeah, it was great for them. Yeah, it's all about did you have the money for it? Yeah. Did you have the space for it? Because they were huge back then, right? Where would you, where are you gonna put this thing in the living yeah. room? As we discussed earlier on the podcast. Um, but you know, like pre-technology, nobody has a phone. They're out there killing fictitious cats. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're, those aren't real cats. Anybody listening, but they, you know, those are fictitious cats. They're killing cats. They're, they're engaging in bad behavior. They're wrestling chairs when they're beating up that chair. That's a great scene. I love that scene so much. That scene to me, it's, it's the perfect comedic relief in the middle of the movie. Watching a group of people watch a guy disintegrate a chair drunkenly. Mm-hmm. It's like the focal point of like all this anger and rage they have against yeah. something. Something, yeah. Against like everything. Existence. But just, yeah, they had to take it out on the chair. Yeah, they took it out on the chair. And, um, you know, I don't know, this movie, like, this is another weird movie where it captures an artist in the beginning. Like Harmony Corinne, his first directed movie. But in some weird way, it's like it's like it's like Pete Carmen Corinne, you know. He yeah. this guy would appear on Letterman. He, he like that's like if like I don't know like some random TikTok star who is not like super like popular, not even a TikTok star. It's just to me like I'm trying to make the analogy, but I really can't. Like Harmony Corinne used to go on late night talk shows when they kind of mattered. Like David Letterman, mm. he would show up on Letterman. And he would do like five minutes in the seat and they would talk, right? Yeah, but he'd be like one of those guests that like Letterman would bring on just to like make fun of. Yeah, he would make fun of him. He'd be like, look at this weird kid. Yeah. Like, isn't he weird? It but like, he'd be like, you can find him on YouTube, but there's one where he's wearing like a letter, like a like a coat, like a, almost like a friar's jacket. It has like an insignia. Yeah. And he's just there talking, right? Because he did gummo and then he's julian donkey boy which is a fucking excellent movie in my opinion mm-hmm. right and then i think he had that break like like he had a space between yeah like eight years or something yeah from what i understand so mr lonely from what i've read what i understand he would do like little movies here and there yeah. but from what i've read and what i understand is that he kind of had like a he had to pretty much conquer his addictions mm. Right. And, and I, I don't know if it's a rumor, but I know that he, um, like ended up in rehab or something. So, you know, Probably. I, I love that scene in Goodwill hunting when he comes out, Matt Damon's on the phone at that, in like a jail. And then all of a sudden, like Harmony Corinne walks by and he's mm-hmm. like, Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> yeah. And then that's one of those like weird cameos. Also Jonah Hill used them great in mid nineties. Oh, when his yeah. mom has a one night stand with this random guy yeah, yeah. and all of a sudden the door opens to the bathroom and who walks past the main character fucking harmony corinne and i was like holy shit is that harmony corinne just out of nowhere you know mm. but um 
you know, this was kind of like the infancy of an artist, but also a crazy time in his life. You know, he was in that relationship with Chloe Sevigny. He was sort of like this weird poster boy for like weird art kid. I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't think anybody like him could exist nowadays. Yeah, maybe. It's too bad. I don't know what to say about that. Maybe they could. I don't know. They're doing something else. Probably making a TikTok. It's maybe making a TikTok. They're like one of those like funny TikTokers. Maybe no, I don't know. There's a darkness to Harmony <laughs> Curran, especially his like early movies where I'm just like like dude, he hit lightning in a bottle that many artists don't really hit well, yeah, until their mid forties or something. He was just always uh seems like he's not afraid of failing. Just sort of it's like his own private sort of bravery yeah. and not caring about what people thought was good. Yeah. He I also can, had like a book deal too. Have you read his book? No. A crack up at the race riots. No. It's just a it's weird short stories and like poems and stuff. Really cool. It's a really it's a really cool book. It but. just seems like most people aren't brave enough. They want to be liked too badly to make something like this. See, that's the thing. To be liked badly. Yeah. Who wants to be liked though? I mean, like I get a lot it. Of people it's love it's it. like this weird I tribal do. instinct we carry in ourselves. Like right? Want to be liked, but dude, who who really wants to be like love me? like me so many people are i know a lot of people because the whole idea of instagram and tiktoks is based on facebook is based off of likes yeah and the less likes you have right you're not as popular sure it's fucking it's a disease it's shitty what are you gonna do but yeah i don't have much hope for anybody i know last week you had hope though or yeah i know you seemed okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) it'll come back yeah maybe (laughs) i was just being honest how can you be hopeful with all these <laughs> so Gummo had call, released call in 97, out. right? And mm-hmm. made a, around 100 grand. Not very lucrative. Yeah, they didn't play for long. Didn't play People for long. Like I can't it. picture watching this movie in a theater with like an audience. Like yeah, this feels like a real go, like a small art house. Yeah, of course. Like it feels like a real personal movie in my opinion. It's, it's just one on one type of thing and you're entering this world. I don't know. Yeah, and like it came out, no one was willing to like give it the benefit of the doubt yeah. in that like, this guy could be doing something this fun this like some little shitty asshole from New York trying to like do a movie like this. Poor people. Yeah, I mean and, uh, we talked about Julian Donkey Boy and then that break was, he had. Yeah. You know, but but yeah, I, I mean, Harmony Corinne, it sounds like he had to take a step away from being in the spotlight, right? Yeah. And then he comes out with the Trash Humpers, Mr. Lonely. Spring Breakers. Spring Breakers, which which to me... It's magnum opus, you would say. I thought it was an excellent movie. Yeah. Like James Franco. People who know, know it's his best movie and uh, Masterpiece. Even The Beach Bum I enjoyed, not as much as Spring Breakers, but... I feel like they're two different movies, uh-huh. but I feel like Spring Breakers to me, he caught something in that. For he, sure, there were, there's a there's like a millennial nihilism in that movie, mm-hmm. nor nihilism, however you say, it, or like this negativity or of no hope that I think he really knows what he's talking about. I don't know. The characters in that movie intrigued me, especially James Franco. Yeah, it's like such a emptiness to everything they do. Yeah, that I don't know. I get that. Yeah, I feel emptiness to everything I do. I know. Do you don't feel that way? Emptiness? To everything you do, like a pointlessness? Like you've been roped into some system you want no part of? Well, we've all been roped into the system and somehow. Yeah, but some people are like, this is okay. I can do this until I die, at, until like I retire at 67 and then like I go on vacations for like 10 um, years and then I die. Do I feel that way? 
No, I don't feel like I don't feel like I've been duped. Roped in, yes. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of All understood right. the score when I was like How old were you? When you understood the score? <laughs> Probably like ten. That's pretty early. Yeah. I was into like what, nine seventeen. <laughs> no, when I saw that guy get shot at the age of five in oh, front yeah. of me. I'm saying that's a serious story. Oh so. no boy. <laughs> or six, yeah. I kind of understood. I was like, oh, this is, this isn't good, you know. No. Kind of changed my brain. Yeah, I held on for a long time because of like Catholicism, but Catholicism. Yeah, it kept me going for a while, but then it just, still keeps me going. It turns out that nothing's gonna happen, hey, no matter how much did I pray. Did you say your prayers? Yeah, I pray a did lot. Did you confess? No one really tried to help me. No one did anything. <laughs> no one did anything. And then God didn't step in and was like, I'll do you a solid. <laughs> no, it never happened. never happened. It just kept getting worse. And uh, anyway, this is uh, 97. <laughs> it was the year Titanic came out. Yeah. And uh, that, 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 it did what it did. <laughs> and, you know, that's yeah. what people were going crazy about. You had and, Men in Black. <laughs> Men in Black. You had yeah. As Good As It Gets. You had Liar Liar. Think about those movies. Those mm. movies are kind of like you can take a family to them. Mm. Like... Like, even Titanic, obviously, there's, you know, I was taken to seeing that movie. I, yeah. I remember watching the movie in theaters. That's nice. And, uh, yeah, you could, you could take families to those movies. For sure. You know, if you look at the mid-90s, most of the movies at the time were kind of marketed for families or children. You had a lot of, Still like, are. Still are. Yeah, you, you had a lot more, uh-huh. like, those movies that were just, like, feel good. They were very sentimental. Sentimental. Yeah. And uh, it's also your L.A. Confidential. Wow. L.A. Confidential, Good huh? Good movie, huh? That's a great movie. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Guy Pierce, Excellent. Yeah, Guy Pierce. You got Kim Basinger. Russell Crowe. Kevin I still Spacey, always wince. I still always wince at that scene when he, like, just fucking punches Kim Basinger in the face. I'm pretty sure he, he hits her. There's a scene where he Russell hits Russell Crowe punches Kim Basinger in the face? He hits, not in the face in the movie, but, like, he hits her at some point. We hear you slapped her, but I don't think he, like, punched her in the face. No? I thought he hit Maybe. her at some point. But, yeah, he hits her, and, um, yeah, it's just, like, jarring to see. But we talked about it in noir movies, how noir movies, in every noir movie, especially in the 50s and 60s and black and white times, mm-hmm. they would just beat the shit out of the women They'd be like, do you tell me now where he is? And, and they would do like a one-two slap across the face and they throw him across the room. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? But yeah, those movies are... Those are some good movies right there. Titanic, as good as it gets, LA Confidential. I mean, there's something. They're like like uh, the examples of the commercial filmmaking that critics and people in general held up as quality. And now a little movie made for under a million dollars. Yeah. That doesn't really have a story, just as characters. And yeah, has and their lives. just to go back to, uh, as you were saying, so there's the Diary of Anne Frank Part 2. I guess that's like a his, Yeah, piece. like his art piece or something. Yeah. I mean, for what, MoMA well. or something? something like yeah, that. it's excess footage of Gummo. Yeah. I love that. I like when, like, there's extra stuff. Yeah. You know? Sure. I like deleted scenes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, this is a great movie. I recommend people watch it. Yeah. I wish there was more movies like this. Me too. This movie was sort of... It seems like every time a filmmaker would say, like, what, Gaspar in a way now? Of like, yeah. Uh, what's it? Above the Void? Enter the Limits? What's it called? Enter the Void. Enter the Void. That's right. Anytime like a filmmaker... <laughs> oh <my laughs> yeah, God, it was sure. something like that. 
Um, every time a filmmaker tries to like make an actual risk, take an actual risk, do something daring, something that advances the form yeah. of filmmaking we're used to, they always seem to get shit on like immediately. You know, it's funny you bring up Gaspar Noé, and I agree with you. We shit on them, or something gets lost. Something is well, like lost. you always. They always feel like they have to have the right answer immediately. Immediately, they can't think that's what I'm saying. It. They can't take a while. Like, There's just something about lost it. when the movie is seen and judged, and then time passes, and then we kind of go back to it. Yeah, and we're like, this guy was onto something. Why aren't we giving this guy a shot? Yeah, and it's worse now with like social media. You just need a you need a you need a take immediately. You need a hot take. Yeah, a hot take immediately yeah, after you see hot it. Take this right now. And after you see it, your brain's like scrambled eggs. You don't know what the fuck. No, you're talking you don't. About. No, I usually need like a day or two to process a movie. Yeah, if not more. You don't really know what you think about it. It's like I know the second it's a, time you watch it. Yeah, I know it's a good movie if I think about it the next day. Yeah, and I'm like, that was a good movie. It sticks with you. Sticks with you. Yeah. Like, Enter the Void, I've seen it one time 12 years ago or yeah. 10 years ago. I still think about that movie. And I'm like, why aren't... See, when I first saw that movie, it was at the beginning of the 2010s, right? And I was like, this is what movies are going to look like and feel like and be like. No, that didn't happen at all. Mm-hmm. In fact, mm-hmm. the opposite happened. Yeah, for sure. We moved away from a movie that, in my opinion, Enter the Void is a meditative experience that ev- that evokes human emotion to the maximum degree and can make you feel everything from sadness to happiness to fucking euphoria, right? It's like a drug trip. Mm-hmm. That's what movies should be. But now when I look at movies and I'm just like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what you're saying, yeah. So, you know, really good uh, movie here, Gummo. Oh, so yeah, I was watching The Outsiders last night. Oh, it really? reminded me of this movie. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, I can totally see that, dude. Yeah. There's some. There's similarities to it. What a great movie, The Outsiders. It's a lot of great moments, a lot of great shots. Johnny, man. Yeah, stay gold. Stay gold, pony boy. boy. <laughs> What a great movie, man! Yeah, it seems a bit erupt. It seems like it ends too fast. It's like it's like it's a short movie. Yeah, it's, it's ninety short. minutes. Like he like, like he was under a contract or something. Like yeah, he had to get this one done. He was like, yeah, Rumblefish all the way, dude. Rumblefish, dude, fucking an excellent movie, man. Uh-huh. Such a good movie. I know, I love that movie, especially Nick Cage. There's a oh, scene yeah. where like Nick Cage is standing outside, and they show like a reflection of the sky in his glasses, and he's just like looking up. Yeah, like right. the outsider is like so funny. It's like it's like a family movie. You could take your kids to. It, it. is a family movie. It's a beautiful. But at the same time, movie. there's like a real degree of artistry to it that you don't really get in. That's like, true. Like that's your, true. Your, like the last uh, movie Disney made for kids or something, like Million Dollar Arm or something. <laughs> Million. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. Million Dollar. I saw. I saw you ever watched The Rookie from like '97 or '96? I like a long time the when rookie. it came out. Yeah, it's with got the that kid album. from American Pie. He breaks his arm. I got that in VHS, I think. Yeah, he breaks his arm, and then like when it heals, he has like the strength of a. Oh, like, maybe not. I thought there was like a Dennis Quaid movie, where he's like a rookie or something. Mm. Right, like he's like forty years old. And he starts pitching. That, it's that one too. There's there might be two movies called The Rookie. Oh, okay, that's what I was thinking. But there's a movie where a kid breaks his arm. The kid, one of the kids from American Pie comes out. Cause I remember when I watched American Pie, uh. and he's doing like adult things and he's saying like adult stuff. I was like, "That's the kid from That's that wrong. movie." That's wrong. Yeah, do that. Somebody stop him. All right, let me go ahead and double check this movie about the rookie. Okay. Baseball. 
Let's finish it up before you do that. <laughs> anyway, now we've got that settled. Yeah, um, I had to. Some do you recommend this movie? Me. Do I recommend this movie? Of yeah. course I recommend this movie. You know, this is a movie I think if you're in your early 20s and you're starting to get obsessed with movies, yeah, you should check this movie out. Yeah. You should become um, enthralled by Harmony For Korine's sure. work. Because yeah. he gives you something different that I don't think American directors are doing. And yes, I'd recommend it. It was a hell of a movie. Great. Well, fourth watch well, or whatever. There, there, there you go, kids. There you go. Watch this movie and uh, you better love it. Or, or, yeah, you can't listen to this podcast anymore. All right, guys. So, <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of Movies Are Dead. Our next episode will be A Millimeter, starring Nick Cage, Joaquin Phoenix, James Gandolfini, Peter Stormare. Who's that? Is that the dude from Armageddon? The director? Yeah. Right? What? Billy Bob Thornton? Who's Billy Bob Thornton? The director in NASA. Movie? Oh, he's in that movie, right? Is yeah. he in that movie? That's what I thought that's what you Dude, meant. Armageddon has a cast you'll never fucking forget, dude. <laughs> Michael Clark Duncan, Ben Affleck, Bruce Willis. Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi's in it, dude. Liv Tyler. Owen Wilson, Liv Tyler. They don't make fucking movies like that. <laughs> Armageddon, to me, that's what a fucking big box office movie cast should look like. Yeah, it's too bad. It's not like that. I know. We were getting the Eternals now. It's so fucking or whatever. Dumb. Who else is in that movie? Don't be thinking now. God damn it. Yeah, that's it. Reminds me of The Longest Yard in 2005. That cast is amazing, too. We had Will Patton. We had Will Patton in there. You know who Will Patton is? No, I don't it's remember. William Fitner's in that movie, too. He is. He's also in there. Yeah. Love that guy. Oh, yeah. Check it out as well. All right, guys. It's so, 8mm yeah. is on the way. Oh. We'll be doing that one next. Hell of a movie. Check out the back episodes. We got The Bad Lieutenant. Yeah. Prince of Darkness. Yeah. Hellraiser 1 and 2. Minion Moskowitz. Angel Heart. We got Minion Moskowitz in there. Where else? We got so many. We got, like, yeah, check it out. Check it out. Shout out to all the Yeah, shout out to all the Thanks, guys. All right, guys. We'll see you next time.